Moses in the CIA? I'm Moses, Ken Mosesian. And like my ancestor, I'm all about training individuals, teams, and companies how to lead. Now, I've joined forces with the CIA. I'm Dan Crum, known as the CIA. And I can help you win your best deal every time through my sales training, the CIA method. Join us as we talk about topics of life and business from two unique perspectives. Hello, Ken. How are you this evening? (laughs) I'm filled with the love and the joy of life, Dan. How are you? That is an excellent answer. So the (laughs) cool thing is, even though it is dark outside, we just gained an hour. We went one hour into the future and we've arrived. It is 2021 daylight savings time. But here's the sad news. Where you live, yes. they don't even do that, do they? No, we actually respect the time and just allow it to be. We don't manipulate Let it time like be. the rest of the oh, country. Cool. Yeah. So we, like my favorite movie, Back to the Future, we travel back in time and then we travel into the future. We just jump all over the place every year. We travel through time twice a year. That's how cool we are in every other part of the country except for Arizona. And Arizona stays firmly grounded in reality. You're welcome. You're welcome, America. Yes. So tonight we are talking (laughs) about breakups, breakups. And these are breakups, both breaking up from a company or a client or breaking up with a friend, like ending a friendship or stop hanging out with a person and just breaking up from a relationship that you're in. So why don't you just comment on this topic and then we'll just jump in and keep going. Go ahead, Cash. Sure, sure. So I think this past year has been a big reality check in a lot of ways for a lot of people and an opportunity. We're going to take one single slice of this, the whole notion of um, of breakups, which I think relates back to the concept of trust. And during a time of like heightened emotion and a time of um, heightened focus and a time when a lot of people were you know, sequestered in their homes, there's a lot of time for reflection. And I think one of the things that I'm hearing from my clients is how they've had an opportunity, uh, and this is both on a corporate level and an individual level, to really examine what they're doing as a company, to examine what they're doing as individuals within a company. And then to extend it on a personal level, oftentimes those coaching conversations that are business related extend into the realm of the personal and people talking about taking a serious look at what they're doing on a personal level as well. And in a lot of cases, people, particularly those with, with families, are making new choices. Um, one of the examples, and, and I think we've, we've talked about this before, one of the, the choices that some people are making is to spend more quality time with the family and to recognize that out of this whole experience of working from home, as challenging as it may have been, There was an opportunity to, if you will, break up with nonstop work. There was an opportunity to actually carve out family time. There was an opportunity to say, I'm going to shut things off now and to break up with that workaholism 
and to really focus on the stuff that mattered. And I think, and I don't mean this in any dis disrespectful way to people who were sick with COVID or to those who lost people to the disease, but when confronted with something that serious, I think people had an opportunity to take stock of what matters most and what counts in life and to look at the things that were hindering them from actually being able to engage that. And for a lot of people, that was their family, whether it was their kids or spending more time, if you're you know, an adult with your parents who might be elderly, spending more time with friends instead of making up excuses, focusing on those things that you wanted to do and breaking up with those things that were hindering your ability to do it and recognizing, Dan, you actually had the power to do that, that you could be cause for your life in that way. So I like the angle you went with that. And now you need to break up with your phone that goes off in the middle of you speaking. Um, anyway, so no, I, I really do like that angle, like breaking up with things that maybe you're doing too much of or holding you back. I think that's really good. Um, I would think of that song. They say breaking up is hard to do. I think it's a really old, old song. But um, I think that the biggest thing, what, despite what area in life you're breaking up with, I think the hardest part for people in today's culture is to face a breakup head on to like have a real and open, open, honest conversation about like uh, the two people in a relationship. Like we need to, like we need to break up or to go to that boss and say, I I'm leaving here. Right. Or to talk to that friend and say, yeah, we're probably not good for each other. We're not making each other better people. So I think what tends to, that I see as the biggest challenge with a breakup uh, is people avoiding it, right? In two ways, either avoiding it by uh, sticking around longer after they know it's over. Like they've mentally given up. They're like, I should not be around this person anymore. This relationship isn't going well. This job is not for me. And just because they fear facing it head on, they just linger and stick around. And I think if they look back, they'd be like, wow, what a waste of time. If I just dealt with it, that would have been a much better approach than the way I handle the breakup, which is just kind of make it so bad that maybe the other person would come up with the idea and they'd be like, oh, good, weight off my shoulders. I didn't have to say a word. Maybe I just made it so bad that they fired me or they broke up with me or they just stopped hanging out with me. And then the other way that I see people not facing it head on is a modern term called ghosting, right? So you'll see people, uh, my brother told me this story. So he's a manager uh, in a company where he's constantly hiring people and he'll have a great interview and uh, go through all the steps and then basically make them an offer and they'll accept the offer. And then they'll be checking in to fill out paperwork and keep going. The person's gone as if they didn't just go through an interview process. They clearly changed their mind or took another job or decided to do something else. But instead of just saying, hey, Ken, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I decided to go in a different direction. Or as I thought about it more, I decided not to go forward. And even though I accepted the offer verbally, I'm not going to go forward with this company. They just ghost them, just disappear as if, where is that person? What's going on? And they go so far as to like block people's number or like send that email to spam and do all these things. So they just can't face it at all. And you see that exact same thing, probably more commonly in relationships 
the number of times my clients have told me or my friends have told me uh, who are out in the dating world will say, oh my gosh, I met this person. It was awesome. Or they had a first date and it went so well, right? Or I've been seeing a person for a while and then they're already planning like, let's get together this other time. Let's do this again, da, 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 whatever. And then what the heck happened to this person, right? They block them. They just don't answer. They ignore whatever, ghost them. And then because they can't just break up and face it head on. So that's where I'm going to start with. I think the biggest challenge of breaking up is it's hard to do because we're not willing to face it head on. Well, I think we're not willing to face it head on. And I think there's something else at play there. And that's a notion of having critical conversations, the notion of actually having conversations of substance. Um, that is a challenge. And one of the things that I coach on with communication is it is the most difficult thing to do to simply say what's so, just to deal with what's there. Um, oftentimes we will soften things uh, and discount them. You know, it's no, it's it's not so bad. It's not you. It's me. We make up excuses, and other times we overreact with anger. And yet, the hardest conversation to have are those really simple words that you just said. Like, I don't feel this is making us better people. I don't feel like this is the right place for me to be. My heart's not in this job. I'm not contributing as much as I could be, and I'm not getting from it what I need. Those are, those are really hard conversations to have. And we don't train people anymore to have conversations like that. And if we look at the social media world, which is consuming us, we see how people communicate. They communicate with a nasty tweet. They communicate, in big quotes, by ghosting people and simply not responding. They communicate by starting campaigns against people um, that can wreck someone. But having conversations that are as clean as the ones you described, this isn't working in our relationship, this isn't working in my work relationship, those are the conversations that people are A, not skilled in having, and B, terrified to have. And I think the terror comes from the not knowing what will happen if I'm vulnerable and I just say what's so. What will happen if I actually say to my spouse, I, I can't do this anymore? What would happen if I said to my boss, I, I want to navigate a, a smooth landing here, but you know, I, I'll, I'll work with you over the next few months, but this job isn't right for me anymore. What will happen then? It's that fear of the unknown and the lack of skill and training, and frankly, the lack of examples of how one has those conversations that tend to stand in our way. As Tony Robbins says, kill the monster while it's little. And all he means by that is we can build stuff up in our head and make it a lot bigger than it is. But if we just deal with it early, then it doesn't become this huge monster that we're like fear so big, right? It's, it's a lot smaller fear in the early stages. So when you get that inkling or you get that feeling, oh, something's not right, or I need to do it. If you just address it then, if you just confront it then, it's a small monster. You can kill the monster while it's little and not let it grow to something because you held off 
or wasted time with it. But I have my number one piece of advice for preventing breakups. Never commit to anything. No, that's not what I really mean. But what I really mean is have high standards. And so whether we're talking about high standards for a relationship, like a friend relationship or a romantic relationship, or for even a job, I think it's as simple as this. Pick just three. Pick three things and call them your A's, your absolutes. These are the must-haves. And I can make them really easy for people. I said this to one of my children the other day. I said, um, I would say there's two things that probably there should be an alignment of these two things for a person you'd be in a relationship with. And they should be religion and politics. If you both are the same religion and you both have the same political like viewpoint, right? Then you probably could have a pretty good communication and move forward really well. But if you don't align on that, you probably have a lot of things, other things that kind of stem off from that that you'll disagree on. So anyway, I think it doesn't matter what your thing is, just have standards, right? Like figure out what are, if I just had three rules for a job, the job must do this and have this or be here or do whatever to come up with your three things and say, I don't even consider jobs that don't meet my absolutes. I have to have these three things. Then you'll never be in a job. Never. That's an extreme statement. Uh, it's less like you'll be in a job that will disappoint you later. That'd be really disappointed with. If you start out by saying, I only consider jobs that meet my standards. I only get in relationships or consider a relationship that with a person that aligns with me in these three areas, right? Or a friend, there has to be some, uh, they always say you become like your peer group or the people you spend the most time with it tends to be how you like kind of mold your life to fit in with that group. So wouldn't it make sense that you find people who are like-minded people or people of the same level of ethics or morals or standards as you? So my biggest advice to never have breakups is to start with high standards, keep it to three and make sure you don't ever violate your standard by choosing people and jobs that make sure that you have a better success rate. So I'm going to agree with you on part of it. And I'm going to, um, I, I'm going to offer a different perspective on another part. So the, the place where, where I agree is the, like the high ethics and standards. It's like, you know what, I'm not going to hang out with people for, for whom cheating on their taxes I mean, whatever it happens to be like outwardly cheating on their taxes. No, I don't want to brag about that. It's like, I want every deduction I can get, but I, I, I don't want to skirt the law. Um, I don't want to hang out with people uh, who make fun of others because they're different. You know, I, it's like, no, I want people who treat others with respect. So yeah, absolutely. Pick, pick three things and, and same thing for jobs. I want to work for, you know, a company that strives to promote from within or that strives to um, use local products and local services uh, and really builds up the community. Those are, I think, great pieces of advice. I, I wrote a blog for the Episcopal Church Foundation a couple of weeks ago um, called Religion and Politics. And it was about the fact that, uh, that what I alluded to earlier, that, you know, that that was one of the earliest pieces of advice I heard from my parents, which was never discuss religion and politics. We don't do that in polite company, right? And yet, I think it was the worst advice they ever gave me because what I wish they would have said was, here's how to discuss religion and politics in a way that's respectful and a way that's compassionate. That's what I would have loved to have heard. 
and you know even within religious bodies that you might think are homogenous you know within a particular church denomination you're going to find a huge spread of ideas and the ability to have a conversation in a way that's rational and polite and compassionate and loving is so important so yeah set your standards high absolutely but i would add to that learn how to have a conversation in a way that doesn't attack someone personally and in which you can separate yourself from the conversation that's being had so that you don't take things as a personal attack but rather as an exchange of ideas from which both people have an opportunity to grow so in my most recent book i i took this from somebody but i promote the concept of slow to hire quick to fire and so i that aligns well with my last statement about having these standards and trying to prevent breakups i think if you're more scrutinizing on the front end like you're slow to commit right slow to take that job or maybe you accept a trial period as part of the job right or something it's like let me make sure this is the right choice for me let me go through a trial period and then i'll you know sign an agreement or commit to it or whatever uh before you move in with somebody right like spend the time making sure that they're in alignment there's a fit there before you commit to the vacation with this friend make sure there's going to not be some craziness on this vacation so um be slow be scrutinizing have the high standard in the beginning but then be quick to fire meaning be quick to break up because i also my first book i said trust your instincts you know like trust your gut because i'm telling you it's that conscience it's it's the part of your brain that's that's done its job over all these years of learning from past experiences and throws up the red flag and said ooh that's concerning to me that's an issue for me and when that inkling or that conscience pops up and says ooh that's concerning to me don't be slow on that be quick to evaluate and try to get to the bottom of it and find out what's going on and if you discover it's it is concerning and it violates those early standards you had i say be quick to fire in this case be quick to break up literally don't linger like they said people do be the kind of person who says nope there's no failure in this uh one of the most common pushbacks that i get as a coach is when somebody's telling me something and i always respectfully ask the question would you like to hear my perspective or could i offer my opinion on this and of course they're like yes that's why i pay you as my coach and i say i think that you should you know whatever quit that job and the pushback against people say i'm not a quitter right and i'm like it's interesting because we have all these clichés and more than one cliche can both be true right like you don't want to be a quitter you want to be someone who gives up on things too quickly you want to hold true to your commitments all of those things are good as just like a bumper sticker or a true general statement but in the advice i'm giving today i'm saying be quick to fire be quick to quit be quick to break up because when you know it's not right it's like the definition of insanity do you really expect it to be better when you keep going to the same place businesses aren't likely to change people aren't likely to change without a lot of concerted effort so don't wait as if something's going to get better cuz it probably won't it'll probably just grow to be a bigger monster so be quick to break up so i think it goes to the notion of like fail fast right 
And failure has this horribly negative connotation. And yet failure is actually our roadmap to success. It's like if I'm failing a bunch of times because I'm trying new and different things in order to get to a particular end result, um, that's actually a good thing. I'm ruling things out. Years and years ago, I worked in an an ER. And um, I remember the first time I saw RO, um, you know, am I rule out myocardial infarction? It's like rule out a heart attack. It's like, huh, there's a whole protocol for how to prove that that wasn't happening. You wanted to rule it out. And, and so in a lot of ways, you do, do tests. And if they you know, failed or passed the test, that would guide you on the roadmap towards making that diagnosis. And so I think about that notion of failing fast when you talk about the, you know, the, the fire quickly, but, uh, or excuse me, um, about be quick to you know, break up. But I also think about the fact that we have to destigmatize that, that it doesn't mean that you've quit on something. It means that you've made a reasoned choice after intelligent consideration about what's going to be best for you and the person or the company that you're with. And so it would be irresponsible and inconsiderate not to have that breakup happen. Second thing I thought about was Years ago, when I was in, in high school, I, I lived and worked in Europe, and I was so taken by the fact that they were not quick to declare friendship. And in fact, that in most European languages, in, in French and German, um, in Spanish, there's, there's informal and formal ways of saying you. And one always begins, you know, except for like peers, little kids will call each other in, in the informal. But for adults, you always start with the formal address. And when you get to a particular point in the relationship, one of the other person says, is it okay if we you know, use the informal with each other? And that's a sign of like your friendship's actually progressing. It's, it's kind of a uniquely American thing that like you meet somebody and instantly we're friends, instantly we're bought in, instantly you know, we're on board. And to go with what you were saying earlier, you know, have those high standards and take your time. Take your time to evaluate if that person or that company that you want to join or that, that person that, you know, you, you went out and maybe met once, had dinner with once with some friends, is somebody that you really want to invite into your inner circle. Take a, take a more European approach where you actually take time before you make a declaration of friendship um, and allow yourself to get to know that person to get to know that company before you step into it and to evaluate them against the criteria that you have. They fail or they don't. And then be honest with yourself about that and make a reasoned choice based on the data. So there was a movie with George Clooney uh, years back called Up in the Air. And it was about how he traveled around to companies and he was his job was to uh, lay off people, basically fire people. And um, I, I always said, I could do that job. I could do that job. And I don't know what that says about me, except for that I'm okay with confrontation. But one of the things I liked about the way that they, they let people go was they just were a matter of fact about it, right? There was no long dialogue. There was no like excuses or made up reasons. It was basically like, Ken, uh, today is going to be your last day here at the company. Uh, there's blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like right to the point, right? And if people were like, why, why, why? There was like, 
you, we have a whole packet that us and connected to the chase. You could say that's very unemotional, but in my experience, um, I always say this liars lie specifically. And so, uh, when you hear a big, an answer to a question, it's a bunch of detail. Usually some of those details were added in or made up, right. To try to justify or explain something that they're trying to cover up in a situation. So I think my scripting for you is when you're going to break up with like, you're going to quit a job, break up in a relationship or end a friendship is just be matter of fact, literally, because you don't do anybody any favors one by making up reasons that aren't the actual reasons. Um, if, if they actually ask you, uh, and you are so inclined, I think you could offer constructive feedback, but be prepared because the moment you do that, you're going to get a lot of defensiveness and a lot of pushback. So the easiest thing is remember the movie, Jerry Maguire and the guy goes, came here to let you go, Jerry. And I was like, oh, so it's right to the point. I came here to let you go. Right. He's like, that's how he got fired from his job. And, um, I think people should literally be that matter of fact. I think you should go, you should sit down with your boss and you should say, I've decided to leave the company. Right. And then just basically that it's like, it, don't have to give a reason. You don't have to make them be defensive. If you're going to break up a relationship, you say, I've decided that I'm going to end our relationship. And people may look at this or hear this and say, wow, that is cold. Or that's like, you know, so matter of fact, there's no emotion involved in that. Don't people deserve more? And I would say, yes, if they request it as a follow-up to that, if they're really like, I don't understand da, 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 leave it to you to decide if you want to share more, but just be prepared. The more you share, the more you're going to get defensiveness and could turn into an argument that won't serve everything. So I think be matter of fact and kill the monster while it's little and hold off on the details unless you feel you want to go there. One of my best friends lives by the phrase, reasons weaken you. And so she'd be 100% in agreement. Um, just say what's so, and that's it. And any reasons are just an invitation for an argument. And then there's all sorts of things that can come into play. Um, like I mentioned before, the softening of everything. Oh no, it's, it's really, it's not that bad. It's all me or the response with anger. All that stuff can start to happen. Reasons weaken you just direct to the point. And all of this is made easier if you know that you're taking a stand based on your values. And that's it. If you've, if you've got that foundation that you're operating from, then you've got nothing to fear and you know that you're doing what's right for yourself. You know what you what you're doing is actually going to benefit the other person or the company. Uh, and then you have an opportunity to open up the door to whatever the future holds that's going to be in alignment with who you are. And with that said, we're ending this podcast now. Thank you for listening. To learn more, check out MosesInTheCIA.com. To learn more about Ken Mosesian, check out Mosesian.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, check out dancrum.com.